0: Hello, and welcome to the superior, the barter, the victim. This is war moment the moment to die, the to live the moment the moment
1: to 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 fight, to fight, to to movie podcast of Fury My name is Christian Morosky and I am joined here as I am joined here every year, by (laughs) Kelly Wand You can't even stop laughing. Alright, Kelly Wand Do you have a tagline for the Fury movie that we watch this week?
2: Yeah, I got one uh, my major was running people over in tanks, but HQ posted me here to type Opsies, so I can relate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right stick. Right stick, Kelly Wand. That's not a real thing, is it? I certainly hope it is. I can't wait to talk about that, by the way.
2: There's a lot of jargon in the yeah! Uh, all
1: right. So yeah! Anyway, Army, Army jargon. Army jargon.
2: My backup tagline is bulletproof socks.
1: Uh, let me ask you this. So your two taglines are your major was running dudes over. Yeah. And bulletproof socks. I meant my
2: college major, not my army major.
1: Like right, I Easy easy there, Sergeant. Um, which which tagline <laughs> Did I sound truculent about it? <laughs> That's what my joke was, Dingus. Fuck! I'm so happy that you used the word truculent. My major
2: <laughs> I have my own jargon you have to memorize.
1: Uh, there's a play. Uh, there's a play where I remember taking an acting class, and um, it was a scene they were doing, and, it, and it, I can't remember what play it is, but where uh, where they're talking about the word truculent, and and one character is explaining to the other character what truculent means, and and basically the character explains truculent, you know, like a truck.
2: <laughs> That's from Macbeth.
1: It is stop.
2: I know. I remember. Once I heard the comeback, is that's a theater term you probably didn't learn. You have to uh, I have, have, have not. Masters heard to get up to those. I've not. A heard right it. stick.
1: Uh, oh. Kelly Kelly Wand. Uh, I have two questions for you.
2: It is like a truck. Like you're a truck of rage. Like you're the yeah yeah. Truck.
1: It's you know you want to start a fight. You know like a truck. I, every and belligerent,
2: You're like an angry bell. So that's how that's how you tell those apart. <laughs> okay, what were you gonna say? <laughs> I had to point that out.
1: I I'm, I'm now gonna spend most of the podcast wondering what play that was from now that you said the word. What I just said? No, the uh, gosh darn it! What's the what's the name of that that drug play that Sean Penn did? But it's that, that's gonna not narrow it down at all. Gosh darn it! He did a play. Uh, no, the movie of the play. Uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna be any use anymore. The
2: listeners uh, do know.
1: So first of all, which of those two taglines that you provided for us, I would like you to imagine for me, which of those two taglines do you think uh Tom Chick would um would approve of?
2: The second one because it's short. Alright. Like er- like everything. Fair enough. Bull likes. Yeah. Um Alien game. <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: My second question.
2: Do you watch Tom play video games a lot? Uh a lot. I just play, well, I don't know. Just like when you get up in the morning, is he playing a video game?
1: Uh, no, not nowadays. Um, he he holds pretty regular office hours nowadays. Let's see, um, but uh, he plays uh, video games so much because he writes so much. Um, but he he plays them as a job. I mean, he doesn't play them for fun. He plays them as a job. Unless he's, I mean, he's, one of the things that's awesome about Tom is that, you um, know, you know my. You know, my my kid, my nine-year-old, is over here. You know, many days of the week and many nights. The one who ruined Iron Man three for me. But go on. Yeah, uh, yeah but I think he'll, he'll. I think he'll fix it for you. Man, well, oh, um, he's right.
2: It's done. Up uh, all the suits for Christmas. Your nine-year-old beat me. Made me hate
1: to like the, not like the movie anymore.
2: Okay, what were you saying? So your kid's over. So, for
1: instance, my kid really likes to play certain games, right. but not others, and he's not—he's just not into other things, other games, and he'll be—he'll be wasting time watching some dumb Disney television show on his iPad or <laughs> stupid nine-year-old, <laughs> or reading a Harry Potter book. He's super into Harry Potter books, and he's reading them voraciously. And—and uh, and Tom needs to do uh, some writing for something like Skylanders or whatever, and he'll hold. Tom will hold off to play like a couple of levels, and they'll come and and say to my. To my little boy, um, hey, uh, do you want to try to run a couple levels? Um, mm. and he'll save that for like after homework time or during a time that Tom knows that's my kid's break time. And so, uh, and so my kid's like, yeah, let me jump up because, cause, uh, because my boy would much rather play a game with somebody than alone, um, and and Tom knows that, so he'll watch or even sit there with him and and just give him moral support while he's doing it. Well, you need to do this on the level, you need to do that in the level. So as far as whether or not I watch Tom play video games all the time, it's much more seeing that interaction than it is. Every now and then, like lately, I'll I'll sit down and watch him play a driving game every now and then. But but
2: by way, says running levels—that's slang
1: for play a video game, right? Well, that's slang that's for the fact that, that uh, you know, uh, you know my kid's just going to want to go in the, into an arena like in... Um, he wants know, to kill and stuff. And just punch
2: things. See, Tom likes to me... Oh, go on. Go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, the game I noticed Tom liked the most of any game I've ever seen him play was, to me, the dumbest game I'd ever seen, which was this game where you drive a truck. See? I'm looping it back to what we're talking about. <laughs> and then you crash it into something or a bunch of cars. And then you go, oh, and then you watch slow motion replays of the crash for like 20 minutes. And Tom was doing it over and over like, this is the greatest thing. And I was like, I are know. you talking
1: about Eve of destruction?
2: Probably.
1: Oh, man, I love that game so much. And I, know, I know no games. That was such a great game. I don't like
2: driving games anyway. So I should like the one. Where <sighs>
1: there's... there's no game that is as good. I mean, other than like, um, I don't know. Uh, the 4x4 game where you got to drive off a cliffs. Stra- that, that Eva Destruction
2: game was awesome! You're crazy! Why don't I get it? Because obviously everybody likes it but me.
1: I don't know. Do you not Absolutely. like slow-mo? Maybe you don't like slow-mo.
2: I Maybe. think I don't like car stuff. Oh, right. Well, that it's sense. too much like commuting, even if you're crashing. It's like, oh, great. Now the commute's All right.
1: right. Okay. And anyway. Anyway. Let me get us back on My second question for you after the first question was, uh, do you have an IMDb synopsis this week? And yeah. just, For weeks we've been doing this thing where you read this awesome IMDb synopsis, and my word is awesome, um, uh, and sometimes a listener suggests it, sometimes um, you suggest it, sometimes it just pops into your head fully formed. Uh, what, hap- what, what Do you have an IMDb synopsis for us?
2: I do. All right. And last week, uh, listeners knew what we were, what it was. Paul Weimer knew Dungeons and
1: Dragons. <laughs> I know, isn't that great?
2: Isn't that kind of like losing if you know it in that in that one? No,
1: that was totally winning. That was great. That on the front page, he's like, he got never, pro- exactly. Yeah. I, and you know, I, I have to be. I almost guessed that it was it was Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah, yeah, I almost guessed that just based on even though I never played that. But I love that Paul knew that. That was so great.
2: It's also the weirdest movie. Like, even, like, you go, it's just going to be like mazes and monsters, but without the jokes. <laughs> this week's IMDb Opsis. In a future in which most water has disappeared from the earth. By the way, there were two synopses for this one, which I've never seen before at IMDb. So I picked one of them, although they were both good.
1: Wait a minute, there were two?
2: Yeah, there were two different ones.
1: It was like a choose your own adventure IMDb? It
2: was like an op, it was
1: like an IMDb off,
2: an opsis off on IMDb. And it was the only time I've ever seen it. Like this is the only time where someone went, No, that's not what that is. I'll fix this And so when you see what the movie is, it's even dumber, like it's even weirder than that this is the one that sparked rivalry. In a future in which most water has disappeared from the Earth, we find a group of children, mostly teenagers, who are living in an orphanage run by the despotic rulers of the New Earth. The group in question plays a hockey-based game on roller skates and is good. It has given them a unity that transcends the attempts to bring them to heel by the government. Finding an orb of special power they find it has unusual effects on them. They escape from the orphanage, parentheses, on skates, and try to cross <laughs> the wasteland.
1: Go ahead. Sorry, I'm you... sorry, the parentheses got me.
0: I
2: know, it's civilians whipping out parentheses, arbitrarily. And try to cross the wasteland, looking for a place they can live free, as the stormtroopers search for them and the orb. What? Stormtroopers? So you don't know what movie that is. is. You're uh, st-
1: all, 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 all I'm hoping I is that you read it, nice. that was one, that you would say skates, and that I would be able to say the word solar babies, but I don't <laughs> know the track.
2: Shit! I can't... Ah, uh, you do that and not Dungeons & Dragons. Is it Solar Babies? Yeah. Woo!
1: Wait, what part got you? The skates? No, uh, the, the, as- the orphanage and the kids. And, and I was like, is it that solar thing? I don't know what it's called. And then when you started talking about skates, I kind of hooked into it.
2: Okay, you want to hear the other one?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
2: In the future, a nuclear war has left the Earth as a desert wasteland, where the ocean has dried up, leaving the Earth as a vast desert landscape. That sentence fucking rules. <laughs> it's got two deserts in it, two the earths.
1: Ah see. But the first one started I think had the water at the for- the lack of water was more at the forefront of
2: the Well the first one was in a future in which most water is from the Earth,
1: right? Oh, okay. In the future
2: many- that's why Arizona got to be a desert.
1: All right. Fair enough.
2: Wait, it's yeah, in the future nuclear war has left the earth as a desert wasteland where the ocean has dried up, leaving the earth as vast as our landscape. So it's like a nuclear war and the ocean, both. Most of the water supplies are controlled by the elite corporation E-Protectorate, where the E-Protectorate takes children away from their families and are forced to live in a orphanage, where they are to be trained as E-Police, the E-Protectorate security army led by the cruel commanding officer Grock. That's all one sentence. After playing a game of skateball (parentheses hockey on roller skates), see that's the one thing they bo- both writers agreed on was <laughs> sizing the skates. That's the one reason. That's the one thing. Never mind. Against their rival team, quote the Scorpions. That's the whole sentence. He writes a five thousand word sentence and then goes. After playing a game of skateball, hockey roller skates against the rival team, the Scorpions. <laughs> Daniel, the youngest member of the Solar Babies.
1: No comma. Disco- uh, well, no wonder you didn't read that one. That was a total giveaway.
2: I know. Well, also, it's a little longer. I thought I liked them both for different reasons. It's like Mitt Romney and Obama. Mm. Daniel, the youngest member of the Solar Babies, discovers a glowing orb from another galaxy called Bodai in a mineshaft, and Bodai heals Daniel's deafness. The Solar Babies learn Bodai has amazing powers after that. <laughs> And the discovery of Bodai convinces the Solar Babies to escape from the orphanage and fight back against the E-Protectorate. Pursued by Grok, who is after Bodai, the Solar Babies travel across the desert wasteland. Ah! It's like a drinking game where the word desert... Or bodhi- the word,
1: well, how is, is Bodai spelled, by the way? It's B-O-D-A-H-I...
2: Which looks like Bodahi but I know it's pronounced Boda because I remember from the trailers because the kid keeps saying
1: it. Oh well, well I I've never seen the movie. All I can think of is
2: either it didn't look. Yeah, I saw the preview and remembered it to this day, and still didn't.
1: Well, I can think of is is that sort of that sort like Bodhi? Like, isn't Bodhi like one of the characters in um... The Wire? I don't know, Wire the uh, that uh, Johnny Utah movie where. With Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. He's Johnny. Oh, point break. Point break. Isn't one of them Bodhi? Oh, yeah, you're it's right. Like that surfer's like, hey, Bodhi. I, I mean, like B O D H I. I thought it was pronounced Bodhi. But you said it's Bodhi. That's the prequel to John Wick, by the way. <laughs>
2: so expect Bodhi to make a cameo. I don't send him. <clears off. throat> anyway. Blobbity blah blah. <laughs> Moving on. All
1: right. Well, that was beautiful. Are you done reading these awesome synopses?
2: Yeah, we have other shit to discuss.
1: All right, I apologize like for, for guessing Solar Babies, but mm-hmm. I, I can just. Wait, as soon as you what started
2: you reading.
0: For? You're well, allowed. Well, to- I, I don't know. I, I was it, to- excited
2: you got it. I was stoked. Well, I was you didn't get Dungeons and Dragons. Now yeah, you're making Paul Weimer look cool. <laughs> that's,
1: <laughs> no, that's no mean feat. Um. Uh, the thing is, and this is take that, listeners, loyalty. This is a particular thing about me is like as soon as you started to read that thing, of, I don't know for whatever reason, I just saw the movie poster for Solar Babies in my head. I've never seen it. I just remember from going into video stores as a youth seeing that Solar Babies videotape cover. I didn't
2: see it either, and I didn't see Crawl. Like both, like, what I know. Have you Crawl? never seen Crawl? Yeah, because it had a kid in it in the preview, and all, ah, a movie with a kid always sucks. Like he, as a kid, I even knew that. Like Time Bandits is always skating the edge of sucking. Skating. There's no kids in Alien movies. Oh yeah, I well, know. Bad example. There is aliens. Oh. Look, let's just agree that I was wrong.
1: Okay, I agree. <laughs> I agree to disagree with myself.
2: There's no kids in Terminator. Oh wait. Wait, what? There's no kids in Close Encounters or Poltergeist. Look. I'll make my point later, dingus. We have taints to discuss. Jesus, what's wrong with you? Stop letting me talk. Fuck!
1: All right, we have taints to discuss. All right, so, this week, ladies and gentlemen, uh, on the Quarter 3 Movie Podcast, we saw Fury.
2: Oh, wait, wait. Oh, never mind. I'll ask you later.
0: Fury. We saw
1: Fury, a 2014 American action drama war movie about a company of heroes. (laughs)
0: A band it of was, brothers,
1: if you will. Yeah, sort of. It was directed by David Ayer and written by also a dude named David Ayer. <laughs> uh, it stars Brad Pitt, Logan Lerman... Dynasty. Sheila Booth, Michael Pena, and John Bernthal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought
0: so.
1: Uh, Fury is rated R <clears throat> for strong sequences of war violence, <clears throat> some grisly images... And language throughout. <laughs> you don't even notice the language. Oh, you do for the moment. Oh, yeah, the moment he talks about. Yeah, the moment they say uh, she'd fuck you for a chocolate bar. You know. uh, but, uh, anyway, we, we haven't given any spoilers away yet. Uh, so let me, uh, before we move on to Kelly's awesome uh, movie Opsis that will give <laughs> spoilers, let me give you a couple of numbers that uh, have just given, have been given to me fresh from the quarter to three research department (laughs) that's right our research
0: department
1: yeah we use a teletype here Uh, so Fury according to Rotten Tomatoes which is based on a percentage of reviews that are positive Fury has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes Uh, top critics give it a 69%
2: (laughs) I mean that's not a funny number that's interesting that's noteworthy uh, artistically for other math reasons. It's true. That's all I was thinking about. That's why I laugh, because I was impressed by the number.
1: <clears throat> oh, no. You like numbers. You're a number dude. What was it again? 81% is the usual number of Rotten Tomatoes.
2: What was the other one?
1: Uh, 80, 81 for the normal, 69 for the top. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, uh, is a 64 out of 100. That's not funny at
2: all. I don't think I don't think that's funny at all. Remember the Jaws check when she said that.
1: Uh, I don't know what that movie is. <sighs> uh, the box office this week, Fury was number one. Uh, Fury was number one with 23 million five hundred thousand uh, dollars, which um, uh, is weird unless you look at the fact that last week, Dracula and Told was number two with just about the same amount of money, $23 million. Left Behind uh, was number three. Did we report that? Left Behind? Oh, yeah, we did, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, this this week, though, number two is Gone Girl. Number three is something called Book of Life. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't even know what that is. What is that? I don't know, but it, it's... It, not Terrence Malick, and it's, so it's got to be a kid's movie. Those it is. Two things, it's a, only two it's movies a kid's are. movie, and, what, and the, re- the only reason I mention it is because it is above the number four movie, which is this big, huge release kids movie, Alexander in the Terrible, Horrible, movie, Very Bad Day movie, which was hugely pushed. But I think Book of Life has um, sort of a, I don't know, a a Latino, sort of a Hispanic sort of thing to it. I I mean, I just glanced at it, Um, but it's one of these movies, again, at first I thought, well, maybe it's one of these Jesus movies, and I just missed it um but the life it wouldn't well, be that, that happens okay. every now and then where you get like a like a movie that's just promoted by churches and that like plummets past other movies but it was surprising to me look at the numbers and see the book of life this movie i've never heard of beat the alexander movie it was alexander white oh yeah it's lily white i mean it's, it's white. steve carell is the dad of a bunch of you know, oh my god kids, a troubled kid you know he couldn't be whiter and it's a it's a beloved children's book, you know. I think from Australia though. Huh. Anyway, uh, that's neat to hear. And there, Fury was number one this week. Gone Girl finally slipped to number two. Um, but uh, I think we've we've washed uh, we've laundered the numbers enough. Kelly Wand. <clears throat> Is there something that you would like to say about Fury that would be I don't know related to the plot or something? I am not going to guess. Tom would be much better at guessing. What the heck? No, he wouldn't. All he stinks time. at it. No, he's awesome at it because he, no. he, oh. he lays in the weeds. He digs a trench. Ah, uh, that's he wants us to think he does
2: that. Now, I used uh, to, I, th- I thought that for months, and now I think he's just want it's he's not the weeds are the jungle.
1: No, no, no. That guy. He knows what he. Smokey doing. is the bandit in this instance. Mm. Why can't right, they, they, Tom, why, why, why is Coors? Why can't they bring Coors? What's with it in Smokey the Bandit? Why is Coors such a special beer? Uh, anyway, sorry, uh, I, I didn't mean to derail you. Anyway, what would you call this, this thing about the the Fury movie we saw? Furiopsis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did what I could. Purepsis works for My, me. I'm not, to, I'm not going to I'm not gonna editorialize or change it because I think Puriopsis is perfectly cromulent. So I'm gonna ask you to uh Go ahead and drive that tank. See, Tom wouldn't have gotten that, though. He would have gone,
2: oh, it's obviously the a Like, he adds, like, nine syllables. That's yeah. what you're saying he's laying in the weeds. Because he's trolling, yeah. He wants, to, he wants to play with you. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, you're probably right. Mm. I think he triple-tricked me. Mm-hmm. Puroopsis. Some words are all, it's two hours and 11 minutes before the end of World War II. Both sides are losing. The U.S. is down to its last three tanks, the Ark of the Covenant and Brad Pitt. Hitler sends a guy on a white horse to make sure nobody with the knives hiding inside wrecked tanks.
1: <sighs> a lot of acting coming up. It's going to be all right. Just hang in there. <laughs> it's so long, it's stupid.
2: Spreken Sie? Ich bin ein Berliner. Ist das anyone hiding in the tank with das knives? Ugh! Fucking stupid Nazis. Hey, Corporal Shy. look what I got. Took the Bible's advice. Uh, it's if thine eye offend thee. I wonder what Megan's wearing. Hey, Shane, y'all fixed our windshield wipers yet? I'm not an animal. I'm a human being, y'all. What about you, Sanchez? Your character more than just some bullshit stereotype? Vaya con Dios, white man. Oh,
1: my God. (laughs) That was quick.
2: I'm making a point. It's Mm -hmm. not supposed to be funny. It's supposed to make you think. Like all of it. Some artillery hears them and shoots at them But they trick it by driving away I nudge the strip of face Sitting beside me and stage whisper oh. <laughs> Too soon?
1: Yeah That was did a piece I, of makeup Did I not read that this is rated R For some grisly images? Yeah, but I'm taking the edge off
2: okay. I'm taking the buzzkill And restoring the butt. Taking the word back All Taking right. the face back I nudged the strip of face sitting. My other the. <laughs> that was a rewrite. The original version was mud. The mud sitting beside me, Dingus.
1: No, strip of face is very well done.
2: Go ahead. I need him later. You'll see. Uh, I nudged the strip of face sitting beside me. Which, by the way, Shy is holding the dude's hand, but the guy's face is over there, but he's not holding that, that part.
1: I'm just saying. He was, he was wearing that. Seems very slow.
2: Wait, <laughs> that's worse than the guy said. Yeah. I nudged the strip of face. It's sitting beside me in stage whisper, The Mortar merrier, Get it? Oh, jeez. See, I took the edge off, Dingus. Mm-hmm. They drive to some mud that has army guys in it. A bulldozer's bulldozing a bunch of dead guys into a ditch. Brad Pittsall, Hey, Captain, what happened there? They eat the powdered chicken in the mess tent? Everybody laughs. One of the emaciated corpses high fives him. Captain's all, nah. In its infinite wisdom, HQ sent us a fucking typist to be our new bulldozer operator. He's doing better now that we blindfolded him, though. It's an old Turkish trick from the 15th century. Speaking of which, uh, he's your new driver, which actually means gun operator. It's your reward for surviving that mission to kill the white horse guy. What do you want, a medal? Hey, kid, turn off that bulldozer and come meet your new CO. No, turn the bulldozer off first. Never mind, someone will get it. Hi, Mr. Pitt, my name's Jimmy, or Billy. I've never typed inside a real tank before outside of my dreams obvi where are we going because i gotta pee soon wherever it is i sure up i don't lose my innocence <laughs> sir you know the rules of war as well as i do better even i can't have no typists on my tank crew i nudge the face strip and whisper unless he's a stereotypist huh it rolls its eye <laughs> i it rolled its eye at me see the mud couldn't have done that When I look back at the screen, Brad Pitt's scowling at me, and Dingus is too, and Shia's crying again, so I apologize, and they nod to the projectionist so the movie can continue. The captain's all, Now I need you to drive to this scene where a harried guy smoking cigarettes will show you squiggles on a map. Pitt's all, Let's move out! Typist is all, Uh, is that slang? Hey, easy with my luggage. The tank drives around. Shane sniffs the typist and goes, Where you from, boy? Illinois? Oregon? Oregon? Bakersfield, Butthole, Montana. Actually, all those, although I was raised by typewriters and mermen at the bottom of the ocean. It's kind of a funny story. Well, no one cares, boy! Isaiah 69. That's right, Shy. you tell him. Slow down, guys, you're talking faster than I can type. Ow, uh, just out of curiosity, is it really necessary to keep flicking my ear like that and pushing me into things? Is it just some hazing the new guy ritual? Is it just because it's cramped in here? This thing's like a fucking Prius, huh? Compact vehicles more fuel efficient.
1: <sighs>
2: That's right from the movie, Dingus.
1: That's I know. I, 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 I just was sighing.
2: Hey, we don't talk ling in American tanks. That's my Brad Pitt, by the way, Dingus. That's very good. Only slave state and German. Never forget what we're fighting for, boys. Some giggling school kids run out of some trees and blow up the tank in front of them, setting the driver on fire who gets out and shoots himself in the head. Pittsall, what the fuck, typist? That's all your fault. Wait, what? There's ninety other dudes in this convoy who didn't shoot him. Why are we driving so close to the trees anyway? <laughs> they all boo him and beat him up and call him typewriter face. <laughs> That's what it was like. Greatest generation. Pittsall. Listen up, <laughs> typist. My job is to keep everybody in this tank alive. You going to keep me from keeping that promise to myself? Plus whatever my orders are. All right, all right, Jesus. They drive some more. They come to some mud with the screaming SS guy in it. Brad Pitsall, pull over. Here, take my pistol. Now shoot that German POW in the back. Uh, should I at least use the tank gun, since that's the one that I'll be... Shut up! I'm trying to make a man out of you, boy! He uses his hand to force the typist to shoot the dude while the other army guys stand around and chant, ass to ass, one of us. Jeez. Eventually... <laughs> It's a twofer. Eventually, one of the bullets finds the German guy's spine. He dies instantly. There, typist. You see? That's how it's done. Think he can handle that? Uh, Yeah, as long as you physically overpower me like every time I shoot a bullet. Yes. Welcome to the Army, son. Shane, you type up the paperwork on this sir incident. Let's move out. Wait, why, Shane? I'm a typist. Shouldn't I be the one? I've had just about enough of your lips, son. Lips, son. Hang on. (coughs) I've had just about enough of your lips, son. Rack 'em and stack them. Let's blaze. Yeah! Okay, so you're saying turn the key and start up the tank? Kid, you just don't get it, do you? They drive to some mud with the guy smoking a map and looking at cigarettes. Pit, about time. Here's the two-by-four. We're one of these X's or mountains here. I drew a circle up here, but someone erased it while I was taking a smoke break. need you and your boys to cross this open field and do nothing in this town. All our radios are broken and we're low on blindfolds. Just use binoculars till i sends us a 4077. Any quest... Uh. Oh. The typist is all, Look, Sarge, I got him. Brad Pitt scowls. That upset you? Yeah, it just the... Uh, yeah. sudden. They drive to a town with an old man in it. Pitt's all, Hey, Grandpa, you happen to notice where the guys who hanged your relatives are at? The old man gives them a piece of his mind. After some machine guns give a soldier a foot injury, they park in the driveway of the only house in town. Brad Pitt sees a German lady cleaning her drapes inside. He's all, come here, typist, time to make a man out of you again. Did you ever see Fear and Loathing? Never mind, I got some eggs. Brad Pitt kicks in the door and persuades the middle-aged German lady who lives there to let typist have sex with her hot young cousin because they're both, quote, young and alive. The aunt's not totally on board with this, but Pitt sweetens the pot by making her cook. <laughs> typist in the you come out of the bedroom looking flushed
0: he's yeah, not that.
1: totally on board with this <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's how it was
1: that's how I you know, know that's the perfect way to put it
2: all right keep going that's an accurate summation of her. it
1: is absolutely and summary. I'm laughing because it relates to a bunch of stuff I want to talk about later but you're that's perfect. you put it so succinctly very well done good I there got, got. on you with Opsis. Typist and
2: the hottie come out of the bedroom looking flushed. The aunt looks at the liquid paper speckling her cleavage and typewriter ribbons trailing out of her dress and scowls disapprovingly. Brad Pitt's all, lady, it could be worse. The door bangs open and in trumps Shia LaBeouf and the other cock blockers. <laughs> Shane's all, <laughs> it's like a Lenny and Squiggy moment, kind of, huh? <laughs> Shane's all, we smelled eggs, who's up for some rape? Jesus. just 9 11. Michael Pinazal. Why, women? You like horses? <sighs> Shane looks up from licking and spitting all over the Fräulein's eggs and goes, Come on, man. Some of us are trying to eat here. Michael Pinazal. Many dead horses on Normandy Beach. Shane teabags the piano and farts in his own face. <laughs> <laughs> Typist is all. Which one is. That one's the Tom, and I'm the uh, I'm the lady, and you're the captain. If we're going to do a call in July, who's who? All right, there's no captain. Tom thought he's Don Johnson. Typist is all, by the way, Sergeant, you put your hand over mine and force me to shoot that pistol. Thanks for not also doing that when I had sex with Emma. The second they emerge from the building, it blows up. Typist scrambles up the rubble and stares at the corpses of his love interest and her aunt. He all, Ugh, war is bad. Shane's all ha. Huh? You think Jesus Christ? He teabags him. Typist is all. You guys are all dicks. Shane's all ha. Now you're one of us. They drive to some mud where a tank shoots
1: lasers at them. Porkins dots. <laughs> 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 I already started laughing at lasers, and then the Porkins thing came while I was laughing already. Why the only one thinking that? Yes, you I are, honestly think. But, every... but now I am. So okay. thank you.
2: Porkins dies, and so do the other tanks. But Brad Pitt tricks the enemy tank by shooting it. They sit. And <laughs> <laughs> typist winces and goes, uh, "Guys, I'm out of bullets. In fact, I haven't since we started." Can one of you show me how to reload? They all laugh. Pitts all. Well, radio's dead. Shane, you drive. Typist, you keep an eye out for tank mines. Okay. uh, Wait. What do they look like? They're round and metal, and they say "tank mine" on them in big letters. They drive a couple feet. There's an explosion. One of the treads unravels. The engine hisses and melts. One of the windshield wipers comes on forlornly and snaps off. The muffler's all womp, womp, womp. <laughs> Typist is all, uh, I think I see a tank mine coming up. Pitts all, damn it! Shane, get out there and fix it. Shia, you keep crying. Typist, you got the best eyes. Get up in them trees and eat some Abba Zabba. Michael Pena, you're not in this scene. Typist goes up, then comes back, like a few minutes later. Hey, guys, good news. Uh, Reinforcement's coming up the road. (laughs) Uh, Bad news is they're German. I think they're singing orc songs, or that flying monkey one from Wizard of Oz. Should we head back to HQ and plan an ambush and fuck their asses up? Nah, fuck that. We never ran before. Ain't about to start now. Prepare for battle. Wait, what? What happened to keeping us all alive, being what you cared about? Fuck that. Let's get them. Dude, we're in a tank, that can't move. Versus like 300 dudes at half-tracks. Heading for cover isn't running. Aren't tactics pertinent to when... Y'all can leave you on, I'm staying. Them's my orders. What orders? Shut up, white man, bonsai! Ha <laughs> tapest is a pussy. All right, I'll stay. But only as long as you have an actual plan. Brad Pitt's plan consists of putting a body on the hood and waiting for the Nazis to open the tank and then shooting at them through the hatch. This takes care of all but the other 298... These probably surround the tank and begin pelting it with rockets, grenades, and gunfire. <laughs> Typist is all. Uh, guys, I'm still out of bullets, by the way. Fitzall, Yeah, me too. We have a lot of extra ammo outside, though. That's an actual lion in the movie. Yep. Uh, maybe it would have been better to bring it inside before the fight. Shane's all. Ha! Tap is being a pussy again. Shia's all. Book a Mormon. Pits all. Hang on, cover me. He lifts the hatch and gets shot. Kenya's all, why, man? Pulls a grenade pin and dives on it. It blows up him, Shia, and Shane. Brad Pitt coughs. He's all, kid, y'all see that escape hatch on the bottom of the tank there? Use that to crawl through. Yeah, thanks. I, I got it. Also, kid, if a German shines his flashlight under it and sees you try to look dead, don't open your eyes. Also, give these dog ticks to my dog. But the typist is already clanking the hatch shut behind him. The Germans come and see the typist, but don't kill him since the battle wasn't too fierce. The typist understandably falls asleep. He wakes up and hears American voices, so he slithers back into the tank, pulls out his gun, and prepares to shoot the first face that peeks into the hatch, but luckily loses his nerve. Newspapers <laughs> all. Broken tank declared savior of World Wars II and Z. War already over because Hitler killed self 12 hours earlier, but still, the end. Thank
1: you, Kelly Mond. Oh. Uh I'm just wondering. All of a sudden, uh, does Godzilla, the the Godzilla tag at the end, go through the end of the year, or is it in perpetuity?
2: It goes on as long as Godzilla goes on. All right, fair enough. Good.
1: Or as long as your Severance, opsies Severance are burst. impregnated by plutonium, I guess.
2: What the? Tinka, don't science into this. Without Tom to call, <laughs> Sheriff okay. Shotgun or whatever it's called. I want you to know that I watched End of Watch after I saw Fury. So,
1: oh! oh no, Well, I'm, I'm so excited that you did that. I wanted to impress you. Did you. Is this the first time you've seen it? Yeah, I hadn't seen it before. Uh, well, uh, you know, I was so going to give reach. us a sort of a, a, a David Ayer completionist um, report well, Maybe there's something
2: missed, I only know, Okay, you wrote Training Day, but I don't know what else he's directed besides End of Watch and this. Uh...
1: uh well, uh, he directed... He, yeah. I'm forgetting something good, right? No, 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 U-571. That what? submarine... No, player. no, 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 that's not him. No, he that's did, him. Isn't he it? did not direct U-571. He, didn't, he wrote well, That's it, John Morrow, I think. I don't he, might, he might very well have written it, but he did not direct it. I, I I'm almost it's certain it's it's a, it's a dude named John Morrow or something like that. But anyway, no, he has he's directed uh the most important thing I mean he directed Harsh Times. That John was his, Mostow, yeah, you're right. Mostow, Mostow, thank you. I thought it was Morrow, but Mostow, you're right. Uh but uh but I don't know if, if uh if he Harsh did. Times I can say. Uh, okay, Harsh Times, well, he, he of course he wrote Training Day, and then he he wrote and directed, I think he wrote and directed it, but he definitely directed Harsh Times, which has some of the feel of Training Day, but sort of from the other side of it. Uh, and then he did some weird, he did this Keanu Reeves thing called Street Kings. Um, what? Yeah. I've never heard that title in my life. Yeah, just... it's Street Kings, it's Keanu Reeves is this cop and who's running around, I watched a little bit of it uh, tonight, couldn't watch the whole thing. Then he, he directed uh, <laughs> Sabotage, which is this Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, DEA caper heist Ew. movie. From what
0: that, year?
1: Uh, it was just a couple years ago. It might have I even know. been last year, actually. Right. Um, but I can't remember. I just remember Tom. Basically, if Tom feels comfortable enough to tell me the entire plot of a movie, including the final twist, I know he's certain I don't need to watch it. And, and I ended up trying to watch it and it's unwatchable it's just uh, it sabotage. doesn't look like it's directed yeah sabotage does not look like it's directed by the same guy who directed this movie or end of watch uh end of watch ended up on my uh, top 10 list for the year it came out uh and then uh, actually it might have been end of watch sabotage and then this movie um but what did you think of end of watch
2: I really liked it Um, I noticed something about all his movies but the ones I've seen including Training Day and and Fury which is that it kind of jumps the shark in the last 15 minutes where his protagonists kind of throw the game Hmm. like I thought that the last mission in Fury was a little unnecessary like they didn't need it wasn't like they had to stay there they just kind of arbitrarily threw their lives away Okay. and I think that happens to I think Denzel watched that call in training or no Ethan Hawke makes it in the end of training day I think I think he's sort of like he has the drop on Denzel Washington but kind of fucks it up
1: well training day was yeah right, that's just his that's his written, he didn't direct it he wrote it no As no 20. I know
2: okay alright like, it does seem like in end of think they have cover but instead they they make a break for it I don't know. Oh, all, right. all right, I see what you're saying. And that always well, comes to the end. Like, I really like how he does action, and I really like a lot of the action in Fury. Like, I definitely think it's worth seeing for the acting and the action in
1: general. So overall, do you – do you, I mean, I'll, I'll let you say first. Uh, I mean, uh, you said a lot of things that are interesting that I want to hear about as far as the stereotypes of the dudes in the tank are concerned. But yeah. overall, did you, did you like the movie? Did you not like it? Did you love it? Did you hate no, it? No, I did like it. Did I
2: don't like- think I – I'm not sure if I loved it or not i really like the action in it but there's some dead spots and i'm ambivalent
1: about the scene with the ladies (laughs) yeah yeah i think we need to really talk about that
2: because it comes really early in the movie like it's a huge buzzkill in a fear and loathing kind of way and then it comes right between two major sequences i don't know it's a very strange choice i thought consider
1: it's not not only a buzzkill but it lasts for a long time it lasts for much longer than you think it will and it and for me it went in a direction i didn't expect it to go i mean it lasts the, the scene lasts for a long time yeah and it's
2: yeah it's like a 20 minute sequence or more yeah, it definitely feels immediately like... immediately followed up by major battle sequences. Like, okay, fuck all that. Now back to this. And then the the, the the actors don't really look like they're still reeling from that. Like, the kid doesn't even seem to be thinking about it anymore. It's like, okay, okay. gotta fucking
1: shoot the gun. Like you don't, fall- it, you don't think it affects him going forward? Because yeah. I, it's, it's that- Go ahead.
0: Well,
2: it does affect him going forward, but it doesn't seem like it... I'm trying to remember. Does, does the thing with the... That's that comes after Brad Pitt's like made him shoot the dude, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that, that's what, how Brad that's, Pitt makes it up to
0: him.
1: Well, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to make a, make a parallel between. Because, uh, you know, let me just uh, be fair. You, I mean you said you, that you like it, but you know, you know, I don't think you love it. I, li- I absolutely love this movie, but I think it has some right. really it's big serious. problems to it. And I think your your point about um, the protagonist sort of. Uh, quitting the field at the end is really interesting to me. I'm not sure I agree with you, uh, and I find the ending somewhat unsatisfying. But I was yeah. I was bowled over by this movie. But part of my problem is um, I was emotionally affected by it all the way through. I mean, I I was really affected by it because of, because of the uh, the character building of it. Uh, it really affected me emotionally in a very, very resonant way. Um, so I really loved it, but I think that your assessment of what happens at the end is probably more spot on than my evaluation of it is. Um, well, while I was watching it, I was sort of where you were at too. I was really
2: tensed out and freaked out by the claustrophobia of being in a tank and fascinated by what I thought were, there was at least lip service to some logistics Mm-hmm. And the, the action sequences were amazing. And
1: well, it's, I don't think it's lip service to the logistics. I think it's, it's straight – up. I mean, that's one of the best things about this movie, that tank jargon. And you referenced the word jargon early on, and I wrote that in when I was writing up this movie. And I spent a lot of time writing it up. That jargon stuff, uh, I am all in for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I it's mean, just it, like
2: none of the battles. It's all like kind of a – it also – I think it's uh, one of my – it all takes place in a single day movies. Am I wrong? I don't remember any oh. falling. Well, geez, I don't know. You might be right about. So that. maybe that's part of what happens is like they're so fatigued by the end because they come into that camp just torched, and at the well, end, of holy the shit,
0: you're
1: right. You're absolutely right. so that that actually, well, which means which makes his arc so weird. I mean, because because yeah. you know, I mean, I, let me uh, before I get into that. Gosh, in. uh, let me just focus on the jargon first off because I okay. love that stuff in this mm-hmm. movie. This and they and they don't they don't. Like downshift to explain to us, like like in Hunt for October, explains for us what and uh, or Crazy Ivan means. They don't bother to do that with this. I mean, they they're they're like they're just very simple things, like you know, um, uh, I don't know at the beginning, choke her choke her up. She's cold when they're trying to start the thing up, or uh, or yeah. even the even the army stuff when they when they do those columns behind the tanks. When he's like, get the boys off. Give me last man. Close your hatch. Right stick, right stick. You got. I mean, th- there's all these things that they're doing that are just like we expect you to know this stuff. And if you don't, too fucking bad. This is the way tank guys talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And and Logan Lerman, uh, Norman, is going to have to learn this stuff on the fly because we're not going to explain everything He's us. Yeah, exactly. But it's not like uh, like some like character that is going to serve as us that gets everything explained to him. It's just like you're going to learn it. You're going to do your job, or you're not. And I love that tank stuff. Yeah, I totally crazy about that.
2: When I say lip service, I think that was just me being a little like, I, I think I just wanted... Because they don't have radio or communication or, like, actual mission... Like, you don't know with spatially, like, what's going on. Are there tanks there? Because the guy lost all of his uh, his recon units, which is part of the yeah, plot. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And yeah. if
2: it does take place in a day, like, it makes my point kind of invalid. But, like, I was just really curious and fascinated by the whole concept of tank warfare. And I just kind of wanted, like, okay, are there three up there? Like, I wanted more
1: details, yeah, even yeah. if they
2: didn't know them. But otherwise, well, that- yeah, I totally agree with you. There was It was very... Um, it had a great
1: well, sense of place. It had an awesome sense of place, and I loved all that tank stuff. But um, one of the things I loved about it is that I understand, even on a rudimentary level, why a Tiger is so much stronger in the front than than a Sherman. I mean, I get that from playing a, a couple of video games. and I'm, I'm not a video game player, but I think it's Company of Heroes that I play yes. where – where I'm like, you, you've got to get behind a tiger if you're going to kill it. That's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I only know that from playing video games, and I've played very few of those types of games. But the, the moment that tiger started to approach them and they were hitting it point blank – or not point blank, but dead on with their shells, yeah. I understood why that armor plating wasn't working. And the movie tries to set you up at the beginning to let you know the German tanks mm-hmm. – and the American tanks are outgunned and the the German tanks are much better i mean there's there's much more there 's much more going on there as far as the mechanics are concerned, and the building of the tanks are concerned, and all of the things But I understand rudimental that you know you 're not going to be able to destroy a tiger from the front if you 're this american tank you 're going to have to go from behind um, so that but that sequence, because I understood that was so much more exciting to me mm-hmm. but i think it's i think it 's effective either way um well, you see it, too. You see the shots glance off, and then you
2: also see the guy's, Porkins' face, going, wait, we're taking that guy on with this? With these? Right, it,
1: what? but you also see that fear, and yeah. uh, that's kind oh. of a thing that, uh, I don't know if they call it tiger phobia or whatever, that fear that the Americans immediately have when a tiger comes out. They're like, oh, shit, it's a tiger.
2: Yeah, Star Destroyer.
1: Um, <laughs> so, the, so yeah, very good, yeah, Star Destroyer. But they in Company just, Heroes, you're right,
2: thing. it's like, right, I remember making tanks to beat the tigers in Company Heroes and just like... You couldn't touch him unless you did get behind him, but you there, you're always like hemmed in by the geography.
0: Right, 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 right.
2: So I had the same thing you did. I was, I was thinking video gamely during that part. <laughs> I, to, but I That's the thing. I get the camera view from the isometric. So it's a cool. But, look.
1: But the same point, One of the things I wrote in my notes when I was like watching the movie was, uh, as much as I was loving where the what the movie was doing, and I think I wrote this maybe earlier when they were doing that column march, and they're like right stick, right stick. There's troops on the ground, and I love the way that sequence goes. And I could just see this movie being a bunch of battle vignettes. And what I wrote was, is, the, is there a story here? Um, and I I think for me, and and this is where I would sort of Give you a little pushback on what you say about the end of the movie is that I feel like the story is the characters in this, and I think sure. that by the time you get to the end of it, you understand. Oh, that's that's the story, but it's not like we have to go from point A to point B to get such and such done because this guy just says you go hold those crossroads. That's where your that's that's your next mission, but that's not the story of the movie. The story of the movie is you know that sort of standard. Um, rookie fresh out of the academy and the veteran who's about to retire leading him.
2: But if it's just twenty-four hours in their lives, then that's the. I mean, I've mean, noticed the David Ayres movies are all kind of like that. They don't really worry about story too much.
1: Oh, like, yeah, you no know, actually, that's, that's a good point because End of Watch very yeah. much has that. Although it's not that same. It's it's two brothers who are at the same level.
2: Right. Exactly. So their jargon's a little different because they don't have a, a newbie to to educate. Right. But it's also it also covers months in their lives. But even, like that movie ends with like and like you're not even sure like wait is he just is
1: don't, j- don't don't uh, don't, say, uh, okay. don't give away the ending of End of Watch. Okay, okay. I think. Uh, but I understand. I, said, I understand strange. where you're going with it, right. and, cause I want I I will want people to see End of Watch. I want any person to see End of Watch. I love that movie. I watch it again, and I just I cannot tell you how much I love that movie. I'm so happy that you watched it again. Yeah. I mean, it's okay if you don't like it as much as I do, but no, no, I'm crazy I, about it. And and I I wound up in it accidentally because um oh, c- yeah because my son and his mom were going to see like Frank and Weenie or some movie <laughs> that I did in in 3D that I would want to see and it just so happened that End of Watch was starting at the same time and I'm like you guys go see Frank and Weenie do you mind oh, if I go see End of Watch yeah and I went to see this and it's one of those things where you like you wind up in something and you're just like holy shit this. Oh my god!
2: yeah see where we didn't
1: do a podcast
2: about that movie because it was only it was 2012 when the podcast. I know.
1: I I think it's that one one of those things where it's just timing. Where there's so Something many else
2: came out. out.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I definitely like that, and I liked Fury too, and I I like David Ayer's his movies in general. I like what he's trying
1: to do. I I like what he's trying to do too. Um. What's weird about watching a couple of those other movies is like you're trying to, when you watch like something like Sabotage from the moment it starts, it feels like it was directed by somebody else. Yeah. Well, uh, we never know.
2: Like scripts can go and direct and go through. Like he has to deal with Arnold too, so maybe who but, knows? Yeah, well,
1: He's, definitely. But he wrote Sabotage and directed it.
2: Yeah, but you never know. Or just he was wasn't inspired that day.
1: But well, it might have been controlled my, more by the star. Who knows? Or right. you just need the money. But the moment it starts, you're like, who, who directed this? But the moment Fury starts, the moment End of Fury, one, right. I mean, you feel you feel this sure hand yeah. like, like, taking it's care of it.
2: It's a great opening. Great opening. Yeah. Um, but let me... But I, I just want to go ahead. What were we going to say? I was just going to say I just I, I just I don't think st- as a writer I don't consider I personally find story a little boring to worry about. <laughs> I think that's one of my weak links too. <laughs> so I'm all for David Ayer's like it's the thing I'm talking about the end the last 15 minutes like as far as like resolution and stuff I don't really care about that stuff like it's a war movie like who's going to live who's not going to live I think it I think it's a, you said it wasn't as very as satisfying an ending as you would have wanted. Um it's not quite as poetic as end of watch. You
0: come out- well
1: no, i, I it's but certainly I like not. That- I mean end of watch I don't find a, a satisfying ending either. I don't think it it's because I don't think it makes sense. Yeah. I, I I think what happens at the end should be clear and I think it's a cheat and I think I think the exact same thing is true of this. Yeah. Um but that's just that might be my own bad <laughs> um but even if that's no, true, true, I still. But like... I would. I wouldn't say it is poetic. If you're going to talk about poetic, I would talk about Thin Red Line. But, but that's. But David Ayers is not going for that. He's going for something completely other, yeah. um, and that's fine because because the the the. Uh, I think the track like, of this movie is is an arc of two characters, and those arcs have sort of they they describe sort of a, a different um, angle structure, uh, and I like that. I like the I like the way this movie. I like I like the character arcs in this movie. I love them, actually. I'm not sure I'm buying. I mean, Logan Lerman does fine, um, and I love the way he's lit. I love the way he's shot. I love the things that's that he's Norman. Done. That's Norman. Yeah,
2: he does fine uh yeah i mean it's a it's a thankless role in a way like because we, we've seen it so many times and yeah, i know that's yeah, a thing yeah, yeah, yeah. You, where you talk about if it's something we've already if it's something you've seen before done not as well even like you'll knock at points i've noticed
1: yeah i do have a tendency tendency has to be completely original <laughs> Every time um, But no, that's the thing I'm not somebody who When I, you know And when I'm talking to my You know, my kid about writing sentences Or when I think about writing I don't think Striving for originality Is something that you should go for I think that that's uh, It it's
2: has its place, I would say
1: It, it has its place on. But it's it's, it's chasing like a samurai I mean, I don't think Trying to find something original Is what you should go for But I do I, it, it, Hypocritically, I do tend to Make that mistake sometimes You're right
2: but it's not hypocritical if you go, okay, I'm give, making an exception this case for other reasons.
1: Yeah, well, sometimes I think... <laughs> eh,
2: you know. It's a David Ayers movie. What do you want? I don't know. There's a lot of love in this movie.
1: Um, a, lot I violence, w- a lot of violence. A lot of... Well, really- I do want to ask... I, God, I want to I talk to you about that... About the way women are treated in this movie. Yeah. Um, and that whole idea of... uh. Well, what do you think about that? What do you think about the way not only that, mainly that upstairs scene goes, but but the danger to women in this it's movie? It's a very
2: strange scene because it sort of comes... It comes at a really strange juncture in the movie, I think, where we're still trying to get used to the characters and who they are and, you know, which ones we, we like, we're rooting for. And then it's sort of like... It's, it's basically a series of implausible behaviors that you... Will buy into it if you believe the performances, uh-huh. and the acting's really good in the scene. Yeah. So I have trouble. It just seems like a really strange. The thing it seems like a little weird is that when uh, the fuckwads come in, they're all like Shia Booth's like a, a religious dude. Like he, you think he would be a little di- like they're all kind of against Norman. Mm-hmm. And there, there's this, there's this menace in the air, and there's this sense of an impending gang rape coming? I mean, is that... Are they just doing this town for town? Is that their just standard M.O.? It's a little unclear, because Brad Pitt's acting... Is he acting unusual because he feels bad for Norman? Like, what... Do we know this character well enough to understand which dynamics are... normal here?
1: Um... Well... I think there's an element of, um because the payoff <laughs> is of, of team building to be quite honest with you of yeah. of how brad pitt has kept this group together in this, this specific type of structure and this is why i was bawling through the last half of the movie when they're in the tank and brad pitt starts quoting verses back to Sheila Booth. Um, is that when he's sitting at that table, and, you know, the, the standard version of the um, this particular scene is that he just punches some guy in the face. Mm-hmm. But instead, he lets them – there's a give and take. He's like, I'm going to let you guys run for a certain amount, and I'm going to pull you back. I'm going to let you run for a certain amount, and I'm going to pull you back. You're ruining my meal. I'm going to spit at you, and this is how I'm going to control. But I'm doing this to keep you alive, to keep me alive, and now to keep him alive. Um but it's this – he knows he needs every single one of them. He knows he has to let them have a certain amount of independence. They're, it's like a family or a, or a pack of dogs. I don't know which way to put it. Um,
2: but he goes He's the, he goes into the, that house with the eggs with that plan or is he assuming – I think
1: he... he's always been carrying it around and he, find, and he sees it. I mean this, this – we have rest and relaxation. I, I think that this is something that he's probably been through before.
2: But he brings Norman with him, doesn't bring the rest with him, and then they just kind of barge in later. Well, I think that that's... But like how much of that's
1: happenstance? Well, it's not happenstance. It's them also... They're coming in... Their intention in going in there is to get Norman to do something for him. Yeah. They've, got a, they've got a whore down there that they're going to take him to. I mean, they're they're trying to do a crude version of what Brad Pitt is trying to do upstairs, right? Um, but why can't they just be happy for him? Exactly. <laughs> but you know, more sort of the thing I'm wondering about is that sort of weird threat of rape that goes on throughout that scene, even at the beginning, and how they shy away from it, and whether it's the character or the. Movie and and Brad Pitt's the executive producer of this. Yeah. Uh, whether it's him trying, it, it's him being vain and shying away from it, uh, or whether it's real. Because for me, um, when he forces Norman to shoot that guy, that's tantamount to a rape. Uh-huh.
0: Um,
1: he's forcing him to do something he doesn't want to do, and what the movie allows that character to say is, "My conscience is clear, and I'm going to keep it that way." I I never surrendered. But all of the women in this movie surrender, and it's either they're acting like they like it, or they want it, or they're surrendering and bartering their bodies in order to stay alive.
2: Well, so they're she really allowed liked
1: to. It. What'd you say? Well, yeah, okay. So you're free. Well, why, why? is she really like him? She's known him for ten minutes. I mean, she's she's doing something to survive, and she might is that that's not consent any more than what norman does is consent but the movie allows norman to have his conscience and kills her right so i mean is this simply a matter of of the way women are victimized in wartime or is this sort of filmmakers in america um i don't know how to put this quite uh and i was and i was talking to uh uh I was talking to a woman about this today and uh, this is the the woman I went to see the movie with. Like, how do you feel about it? I mean, wh- is this just a, the weird way that we view sex and uh, sex opposed to violence in American movies? Or is this is this the way that it goes in a wartime? And for me, it's a very difficult thing to balance. And I don't know if you if you caught that or, or if you, not caught that, that's the wrong way to put it, or if, if you have a feeling about that.
2: Uh... I wasn't sure, because I wasn't sure what the purpose was. Um, I mean, it was kind of, it kind of reminded me of, like, in, in Jaws, the novel, like, Hooper has sex with Brody's wife, but Spielberg cut that from the movie part, because he's like, no, i got to have the camaraderie in the boat. That just makes it lamer. So in this, I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know right. if it... Because they're the only women in the movie, Am I, unless I'm forgetting somebody.
1: Well you, you don't know there's more I mean there's that first woman that you see that they taunt him with where they're like you could fuck her for a chocolate bar and he's like that's not true Oh yeah they go by the side and, of and then when they get into the town there's the women that hey come and see my tank and the women are like yeah let's do this we're just going to be totally willing we're willing to let you do with us whatever you will and then there's women who are hanging I mean the 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 hanged women that are all outside that the SS hanged and put the signs around um so I mean, it's not unusual that in a movie about World War II, there won't there aren't going to be that many women characters. I mean, this isn't Captain America. We don't get uh, an awesome kick ass woman character. Um, but the women all no,
2: you get Black Widow. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's this this whole like I don't know. I just felt weird about it. That that well, I, I'm I mean I think,
2: to, but I don't know why he wanted us to feel weird at that point in the movie.
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I don't know the, how you deal with that in an, in an honest way, and I don't know that this movie does. I don't know that it's yes. them shying away from it, and Brad Pitt just gets to be the noble savage, and he's like, um, "You go ahead and take her, or I will." And you know, they're you know they're young and they're alive, and they're going to do it, and he right. doesn't have to do anything. He's not going to rape them, but and he's going to protect them from all of the bad guys in the room. Kind of a thing Or what we're supposed to think about I think that. it's what
2: you said I think it's It's showing him as den father Yeah But It's very specific To what Like it, like you said It goes on for so long That I, I try to reconcile it With the rest of the movie Like is this part of a A motif That I'm not seeing Are all the battles Somehow linked to that Like is this just another Because you You made that point Where it's like He does kind of rape Norman When he makes him shoot the dude Right and it's right after that. So does that mentality pervade the second half of the movie too? In just ways I didn't pick up on. I don't know. And maybe it's the performance of Company Man. He's like, "All right, yeah, this is the best job I ever fucking had." He's right. it along with them.
1: Right, right, right. And then he'll 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 do he'll follow Brad Pitt down any any hellhole that Brad Pitt leads him down. Right. I mean that's it. I mean I, I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to lead us down this sort of bummer
2: path. well he you know we're reflect we're doing movie really podcast about a weird scene in a movie that we're through.
1: <laughs> well, I know I just I just can't escape that sort of feeling of like the the way that the threat of rape is held over uh, uh, not only characters but audience members um and and as we get into get into that room that's what we're supposed to think but it never actually goes there and until i mean yeah. and when the other members of the troop get there the idea and you're right you made that sort of thing about gangrene happening is like it, th- this could happen but we know brad pitt is noble and he's never going to let that happen but the way he doesn't let that happen for me uh kind of Reconciles it Not reconciles it That's the wrong way Redeems is a better way Because Because he's clearly He can't beat down um, John Bert I forget John Bertolt's Character name Shane Uh, What'd you say? Shane I don't know Yeah maybe He can't beat him (laughs) down He needs him to fix his tank I mean quite frankly He needs every guy in that room To do what they do He needs them But he's always bullying that guy To
2: get him to do what he wants that's what makes that guy do it.
1: Right, but that's sort of their personal dynamic. But he, right. doesn't, he doesn't like just punch the guy in the face right. because that, that kind of physical domination isn't going to work in that room. It isn't going to work for their tank family or their, their tank pack or whatever they are. And so for me, even though that, that scene is unsettling for me on a personal level, once they're in the tank later on in the movie and they're talking about this is the best job I've ever had and they're passing around that bottle, you know, I'm bawling. I mean I'm just I'm you know I'm such a sucker for that kind of thing that that sort of that male bonding relationship that beautiful like, sort of the the these guys are stuck in this little room together there's nothing like that other than maybe a submarine there's nothing like that I mean it's beautiful well it's harsh
0: <laughs>
1: all right Harsh is another way to put it. It's All right, so, beautiful. What did your uh,
2: woman say about that
1: scene? I forget what you or did you mention? Oh, that? she she she, uh, she gave me a lot of the thing. I mean, she gave me a lot of the things that um, I talked about that I wasn't thinking about, and and also she pointed out to me that what I wasn't thinking was this. You know, my personal hypocrisy about um, sex versus violence uh, in movies. Like, I'll I'll let my kids see uh, the Avengers, but I. I shrink away when oh no! Before the Avengers movie, there's a preview for sex tape. Uh, I don't want him to see that thing about sex, but I'll let him watch. You know, Black Widow kick the shit out of some guy. Um, but there's this weird thing about <laughs> well, neither are real. I mean, it's well, not- neither are real, but but in, in in this movie we don't we don't do there's no there's not actual rape. We're not going to show that, right? Uh, but we'll we'll shoot people's faces off. And yeah. here, here you go, America. But we're not going to show sex. We're not going to do that because this is a mainstream movie, and we want you to like the main characters. Um, so I mean, and and also there's that sort of consumerism thing that it goes on. For me, They still put the me, scene in. Oh yeah, yeah. But but it doesn't go where it might have gone in another movie. No, it kind of cops out. Well, there's that sort of American exceptionalism sort of things. Like like the, these two guys are. They're upstanding. They're not going to do these types of things. Everybody else is pillaging, but these two guys are not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah. But she but, she
1: definitely like sort of was like you know you're, these are the things you're kind of missing as far as this is concerned. Um and 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 her take was more that you know a lot of it is just vanity. It's it's yeah, not. It's Brad Pitt being right. It's it's you know he's the lead executive producer I think he's excellent in this movie. Oh, what I want to add, yeah. so anyway uh, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that but that was sort of her take. Um, do you, did you like Brad Pitt in this? Yeah, I did. I liked to
2: pretend it was his Inglorious Bastards character just because that's how I do every movie. Yeah,
1: you know, I didn't think it was a cartoon though. What what, what? I was turned oh, about? Wait. I didn't think oh, he, he thought he was a cartoon in, in Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, this movie's a little cartoonish, but
2: It's kinda sometimes. What? I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe that's my baggage from a Glorious Bastards. It was just like I'm thinking of that movie. All right.
1: I, I disagree. Early on, I wondered if he was, is, is he not mean enough? Because I was thinking of, like, um, Sergeant Meserve from Castle of War or uh, Elias from uh, Platoon, like, how unremittingly evil and bad they were and how he wasn't that. In
2: it. Was a, Elias was was uh, the nice one. Barnes was the dick. Oh, Barnes was the dick. Alright, thank you. But Barnes saved the dude with the one thing.
1: <laughs> uh, so, you know, actually, now that we've started talking about these things, let's do a quick over and under. Uh, over. Where would you go with where would you go under or over for um, uh, Fury?
2: My over would probably be Das Boot, ironically, just because it has that claustrophobia thing and there was just a lot of that. Like I was really curious about tanks while I was watching Fury and like what would it would be like to just be there with the same dudes for a long time. And and I love the, the movie set in a single day thing. Yeah. But this is the one occasion where I would have gone, Wait, how long were they in that one thing? Like what else has it been through? I don't know. So uh, like Das Boot, it does it has less characterization, I guess probably but there's a lot of like just my fascination with world war II battles i think was most sated by that movie like submarines to me were fascinating and so tanks to me this movie made tanks
1: fascinating yeah i'm i'm with you on that i i almost picked that i almost picked that actually for the the uh, mini movie clip um but yeah i'm with you on that
2: uh, and then my under would be Memphis Bell, Flyboys, Pearl Harbor, every PG-13 fucking <laughs> or shit. Pick
1: one. Memphis so, Bell. Memphis Bell. All right, fair enough.
2: Although I don't hate Memphis Bell, but I like it way less than Fury. Fury is a great movie. I should lo- I should love it.
1: You're right. Uh, you might not. I mean, I I think it bears another watching, but I I I'm, I'm crazy. I loved for- the action. I loved the the battle scenes. Well, that that tire tank battle and that yeah. that, that column battle, yeah. where they're where they're getting the guys to get get up and get behind yeah. them. I was troops I on was, the ground. They almost run over those dudes. Yeah, right stick, right stick. There's troops on the ground. I love yeah. that. Yeah, and I love little images like that. Dude
2: had been run over a bunch of times. That skeleton. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. just a lot of cool war imagery in this movie.
1: But, uh, yeah, and I think that the tank stuff is amazing. Yeah. I think it's it's very clear that that they did their homework, and he, I mean, he did. He got a, he got the only leftover tiger in the world to be able to right. be in that scene, and uh, it, it's not historically accurate year wise, but it's it's a tiger, um, and the Shermans. I mean, I love I love that stuff. Uh, for me, my my uh, my under would be uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, I think this movie is much better than that. That
2: Normandy um, stuff's good.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you want to, if you want to look at Saving Private Ryan as a as a short movie, as a short film yeah. uh, about the beach, that's great. But most of the movie doesn't make any sense because it's a flashback from a character who's not there for the right. entire movie. Um, uh, and for my over, I would say a Midnight Clear, um, just for that sort of sense of things falling apart, um, and because that 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 last minute with the German with the soldier looking under the tank made me think of of the relationships in a midnight clear and how much I love that movie
2: uh, I remember they spent a lot of time in that house *Midnight
0: yeah. Clear*. yeah okay
1: so uh anyway so that's our over under but uh moving on now um this is our <laughs> you know every every week we will try to do and this is uh for for people who couldn't couldn't see fury this week um, we'll we'll talk about another movie that was inspired by last week's movie, which is Dracula Untold. <laughs> I know, this is totally weird. It's pretty convoluted. I think that's... That is one of the problems, but we watched Dracula Untold, which inspired Kelly Wan to tell us to see another movie. Um, and it's a movie I had never seen before. Ah, you um, know what ties in with this week's movie, too? All right, well, I'm excited to hear you talk about it. Oh. I, I had never seen this movie before. I've never watched it. And you, when you mentioned it last week, and I'm not quite sure why you did, I can't remember, but you told me to see it. Uh, based, uh, you, we saw, we saw Dracula Untold. You said, "Let's see this," and then we'll talk about this at the end of next week's movie podcast. And this is uh, an opportunity for people to jump in because we can't do a three by three until uh, until Tom comes back, which you know we're we're looking forward to happening. We're not going to do three by three until Tom jumps back in. Uh, so, we're just going to do this little mini movie club thing where people can jump in at the end. They can write to us at 3 by 3 at quarter 3 com and give their reviews for next week's mini movie club. So, anyway, Kelly, what did you suggest that we watch this week?
2: Oh, I thought we should call it, by the way, as a new name for the feature. I thought maybe we'd call it the mini penny movie Club of Palooza. All
1: right, <laughs> that's great. That's, that rolls off the tongue.
2: A little sauce in it, yeah. Take the yeah, worst Wiz- I like that. Pitch. All right. Good. So I recommended we watch Time After Time, directed and written by Nicholas Meyer, who also wrote and directed Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. And yeah, Harker. he did. Yeah. And he wrote and directed 7% Solution before that, which was a movie where Holmes meets Freud. So oh. kinda like his So, you know, I, re- I picked it for Dracula because I thought it was like a cool origin story about a real dude, which was like Dracula Untold because this movie's like about H.G. Wells fighting Jack the Ripper. But I also, and this is why, this was one of the movies that I saw when I was a kid that made me want to be a writer, not because I deemed it really well-written, but because he was like a super fucking badass writer and like an inventor, and he had he outwit serial killers, he never bolted and ran, and he got the girl, not only to leave her century for him, but he got her an RL, because Mary Steenburgen fell in love with Malcolm McDowell, and they had two kids together.
0: What? So, yeah. They found in
2: love making the movie in RL, and so then they they got married. So think about that when you watch it.
1: All right. Time after time. For me, it looked like she got reverse plastic surgery. She right? looks so weird in this movie, and she looks so <laughs> beautiful, like as an older actress.
2: I don't remember how she looks. Uh, what?
1: Like her face? Yeah, her face. Oh, her so- face looks like uh like, like she got retroactive plastic surgery. I mean, she looks more beautiful the older she gets. I mean, I don't know if you can give somebody a better compliment, but uh, watching her later on—I uh, mean, she's perfectly beautiful in this. But watching this, knowing in my head how she looks later on is weird. It's weird. It looks like it looks like they've done CG to make her into this movie, huh? I kept having to remind myself that it was her. It was very—it was a very well, weird experience. It, I she's know. She's so it,
0: distinctive.
1: Look, I mean. Well Did she you... sa- she sounds distinctive even though yeah. I, I have no idea what the accent she's trying to do is. Um uh this be... it yeah. In time after time, they're in San Francisco, and yeah. I I, don't, I have no idea what she's doing with her accent. San Francisco, um, they don't have accents, really, do they? Well, she's from Little Rock, uh, and she's just gone I don't—I have no idea what she's doing, but I think she looks prettier in, in much later movies.
2: What about in Gone South, that movie where she's with Jack Nicholson, like a couple of years before? Goins- gone? So, Is it Gone South? It's Gone South. Wait, Gone South. It's Gone Fishing. that's Joe <laughs> Pesci, and Danny Glover, Lisa Weapon uh, 5.
1: I have I have no idea. I just know that uh, as she gets as she gets older, uh, for for me as a moviegoer, it's weird to suddenly go back. I'd never seen her this young, and she looks fake. I like remember
2: thinking that about both Anne Margaret and Jane Seymour. Like they didn't look as good when they were younger. But then upon more viewing, like of them younger, I went, "Wait, what? No, they look great. <laughs> <laughs> they always look good. I take them that or now. What am I talking about?"
1: But uh, anyway, sorry to derail. It was just one of those. No, things.
2: no, no. I could talk about.
1: So uh, so, what, this made you want to become a writer?
2: Well, yeah, but like I said, just because he was fucking – he was like a really – he got – like writing was like, – didn't even really play a part in the plot, but he got all these other adventures. So I go, see, if you write, you can still do all this other shit. You don't have to be like – Ah. It doesn't mean you're going to not have adventures and stuff. You can still invent time machines and fuck around, and Jack the Ripper is your best friend. But you trick him with some deus ex machina key – <laughs> oh and something I didn't know I only found out this weekend was uh, the f- like the guy who wrote the novel that Nicholas Meyer based the screenplay on wrote a sequel to Time After Time a book sequel set in 2010 that just came out like a couple of years ago where H.G. Wells and Mary Steenberg have travel back to 2010 to get Jack the Ripper again only this time Jack the Ripper's a woman and the book's called Jacqueline the Ripper
1: <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> no joke so, there you go. Time I definitely time. thought they would be doing more time jumping because of the title. Yeah. It's mostly
2: fish-out-of-water kind of comedy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I it, probably... The, uh, the special effects are hilarious.
2: Yeah, I know. I I saw when I was a little kid, so that's my
1: excuse for probably... Oh, I, I'm not going to knock it for the special effects. I mean, it, it looks like... It's like, a TV
2: show, kind like of? Oh, yeah, see. yeah, yeah
1: really it, it looks like lens flare no I mean not the whole thing but the, the special effects when the when the time travel happens it's just these weird like lens flare like it's just terrible special effects but I'm not going to knock it for that because it's an older movie it's weird to me too now
2: that it didn't because I, I remember being troubled when I saw it that like his time machines in a museum even though the writer didn't make a time machine and then I didn't understand the ending either I do not
1: understand how if he
2: takes the thing
1: out uh, I didn't understand the the very special secret key that makes yeah. uh, David Warner like disappear into yeah it. what what was that they try to explain it at the beginning um, that if you remove this and but I couldn't figure it out it's not very suspenseful to like
2: think about like oh he just has to pull a thing out and that solves all of the, it like they don't have a physical fight like he's he's up against a guy who stabs people like that's that guy's superpower but he tricks him by unstabbing the machine.
1: <laughs> but it's also with kind of with his consent because uh he's he, they look at each other and he's like i'm right. gonna this out and the guy's like yeah you might as well <laughs> yeah what do you remember the do you remember what the name of the time traveling uh machine was
2: no it had a name
1: yeah it was called argo Ar-
2: <laughs> i don't remember that <laughs> Is there anything uh, cool like when he travels through time, or does he just wake up in the museum?
1: Which is no, it's no. It's this ridiculously long, and this is you know between you and me, um, ridiculously long two thousand one sequence of just like <laughs> like space fields.
2: Like, That's what it's like, man.
1: Or like the Willy Wonka tunnel, but it's like right. the Willy Wonka tunnel like times five. It's just terrible. But the the, big, the biggest surprise for me is all the gay humor. I don't remember any of it. What are you talking oh, about? man. Really? Yes,
2: yeah, I yeah, would have got
1: that. As a kid, I would have got what?
0: Yeah, what? And
1: I, I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, uh, What's, what a, just like. Okay, well, uh, like, uh, like you know, she works in a bank, and uh, the idea is that these Englishmen have traveled through time, and they're looking for somebody who's going to exchange their money for them. <laughs> and the, neither of them can get hip to the fact that, even though somebody's told them, they should just go to a coin merchant and, you know, Get fair value for their coins from an antique dealer, but they keep going to this Bank of England where she works, uh, and she's working. You know, she's got her her friends who's sitting next to her, and and uh, and when um, Malcolm McDowell like flirts with her and leaves, one of the things she says, "Well, at least he's not gay."
2: And then this, what's what's yeah. that made? Why would she say that? She's a San Francisco. She's a San Franciscan native. She would be all. Ugh. I have no idea. And
1: then there's this this other these other. Wait, she says thing. that to him because he would not even know what that means. No, no, she says that to her friend. She's like, well, at least he's not gay. And uh-huh. then later on, there's this thing about like. Uh, something about a dyke and there's this there's this weird lesbian humor um but which it's which seems totally out of place for this particular time period and as i'm sitting there watching it i guess we're just more puritanical now um but but this sort of very loose gay and dyke humor was very weird for me
2: Mm, would she say that like like she'd say that to the friend like if she'd slept with him, like well, on the upside it, he wasn't gay, so
1: yeah, it well, we it's that, it's so that, that kind of thing it's like it's kind of like a three company level joke. it's like, well, at least he's not gay, you know <laughs> it's weird it's it 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 just it just took me so by surprise, it's not a joke you would necessarily hear and and not something that I would have expected from a movie this this old, yeah. I, but it's okay. just so great to see Malcolm McDowell and and David Warner like fathoming I mean, there's so it's so much fun to watch, and their hairdos are so hilarious. Yeah. And the, the the outfit that David Warner ends up getting this groovy like denim outfit, uh, I, you know, it's just I it was just such a pleasure to watch them. So. David
2: McDougall's, the Scottish place, see? yeah, see, pretty good. When's the last time you saw Ice Pirates? That movie's like super racist.
1: Uh, last time I saw it was never so you can put that in your hip pocket for the next time you have to okay. come up with something that you want me to see
2: yeah for the many many penny movie Club of Palooza sure. yeah,
1: exactly uh, do we have any uh, listeners we have three alright
2: people who actually submitted to this harebrained scheme
1: alright <laughs> it is a brain scheme but we do ask listeners that then and I'll name a movie for you guys to watch next week and you can just write us in at 3x3 at quarter3.com so do we have any listeners who have mentioned anything about time after time?
2: We have three. Uh, didn't we, Wasn't there a rule where they could only write ten words or something? You know,
1: I said that originally, but you know, until we get they seem to have ignored that edict. <laughs> All right, good. That's fine with me. Paul Weimer writes. Oh, what? No, I was just going to say read whatever they write.
2: David Warner versus Malcolm McDowell doesn't sound like a first class conflict at first, but Time After Time gives us just that. The opening Victorian period is spot on, and the fish out of water story combined with the chess game, nicely symbolized by the opening chess game, between the two men in the present give the movie a grounding and solidity. See, everything was a chess game back then, huh?
1: Oh, I forgot that they were doing that chess game. That's good.
2: The social commentary of the movie is heavy handed, as Dingus just noted, uh, but still as relevant as ever. I have fully enjoyed my rewatch. Uh, that was me saying the Dingus thing, by the way. Paul Weimer didn't know what you just said when he wrote that. He didn't do a time travel thing. <laughs> okay. Dave Perkins writes I skipped to the end of your Dracula podcast to see what movie you were going to watch this week and heard Martyrs. So I watched that and then I
1: was. The <laughs>
2: what? I was wrong. Wait, we said Martyrs?
1: When did we bring up Martyrs?
2: All I remember was bringing it up as.
1: Oh, yeah, that's Tom right. Because that you were something at, that you made me watch that I hadn't watched before. Yeah, Tom said you wouldn't
2: be up to, to and I defended you and went, no, Dingus is a man now. I, <laughs> I didn't shoot Nazi in the back and got him a hooker. Uh, and then I listened to your podcast began and realize that I was wrong, so I watched time after t- the Time After Time trailer and realized that trailers were horrifying back in the 70s. I really wanted to talk about martyrs, Dave. You know what? Martyrs. Fair enough, Dave. I'm trying to think of a martyr's connection to Dracula Untold. I guess he was a martyr. Hmm. Because he set fire to himself with the sun. Doesn't that what martyrs do. (laughs) Chris Markardson writes, Hey guys, I wish I would have had the time to watch this movie twice, as I think it bears a repeat viewing. Nicholas Meyer's directorial debut was certainly enjoyable, and I think he uses his cast well, although I would have liked it if Chancellor Gorkon, I mean David (laughs) Warner... And more lines, since I really enjoy his voice. I thought the dialogue was interesting, and it felt authentic to me when Mary Steenburgen was talking about asking strange men out to lunch. It was interesting to hear the term "dyke" being used. See, dingus.
1: See, see. Told you
2: what you said's true. See. You you are correct. I found it really interesting when at the final scene in the museum after HG says the girl, Stevenson responds with which girl? Oh, you mean this one. I can't figure out if that was emphasizing how little any of his victims meant to Stevenson or if it was trying to show his current state of mind and that perhaps it was coming apart. I'm pretty sure I'm reaching there, but for some reason that stood out for me. I remember thinking, this is me, Kelly, saying this, uh, that, like, oh, he, killed, he thinks she's dead because he killed the roommate, and then it winds up, that he only killed the roommate and not the real star of the movie they do that skis machine too but I always thought like and I think that happens in Terminator yeah they keep doing that every time I always feel kind of bad for the roommate like they don't even know why they died
1: and then she's just just getting laid and wearing a Walkman how dare she get killed yeah yeah
2: they die and then no one misses them it's always like oh thank god it was her thank thank god Linda Hamilton's still alive
1: they They are dude roommates dude roommates never get killed uh, although the dude, yeah, the dude, the dude in Terminator Two with the milk curtain, yeah, what's his name? What's that guy's name from Roxanne? Uh, Tom would know it. I can't remember that that, that actor's name. Damn it. Fire
2: uh, seems to have had more than a little success by using a man at a time as an antagonist or protagonist in a few of his later films. What? I don't know. I don't know either. Thanks for letting me ramble, Chris Markinson.
1: Um. Is that is that are those the That's only it. people who wrote in?
2: Three people. Watched All right. Let, let me
1: do. Let me real quick before before I bring up the movie I want you to see next week, Kelly. Lynch. Uh, Chris Marketson, Uh, I have to call him out. Uh-oh. Um, in a very good way, uh, because he has compiled on quarter to three, um, links to every single movie podcast we've ever done. Oh, he's um, right. He's that guy. He's uh Mark Quack. Um, uh, and he, uh, sent us, uh, uh, sort of, a, a birthday card saying, because tomorrow would be our 500th, uh, the anniversary of our 500th podcast, oh. uh, which is a little bit bittersweet because we've had to do, I don't know if this is three or four without Tom, which is exceedingly painful. Uh, but, uh, but for the listeners and for us yeah for the listeners and for us uh we know this but um keeping momentum going is a good
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh but chris reminded uh me and us that we've done this for 5 years now and he sent us this email uh that let, that well first of all he he did these 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 uh threads that that break down all of the 3 by 3s all of the music we've chosen all of your taglines uh every, it's just awesome it's great uh, no I- don't, uh, well, no, no, oh, I was looking so at it,
2: and I—I it I don't
1: know. Maybe why Oh no! A podcast. You, no, no, that's a terrible. You, you thing. shouldn't. It's—it's it's such a great. It's such a great document. Mm. And when he was yeah. uh, talking about doing it earlier in the year, and I was thinking about why that would be a great idea, and I couldn't really talk about why it would be a great idea, uh, I was so excited that he was doing it. Um, so I'm so happy that Chris did this. But then he, after he's finished doing most of this, um, he sent us this email that talked about the three by three picks and who has chosen what the most um for their top picks <laughs> he's a madman oh he is a that man. is well,
0: insane well he's he's just
1: this great guy who who said look i i, I can't contribute for these reasons because you know i'm from canada and and you know, they, don't take, they don't take my money in america um so i'm gonna put in this yeah you know, this this uh this labor of love uh so that's what chris has done and I'm just – I couldn't be more grateful to Chris. But that's he, a lot of love. But he he did this breakdown of the number of times each of us has chosen certain movies for us. Our- <laughs> Can you guess what the number the, – the the movie that has been chosen the most times by one podcaster is?
2: Uh, God, that's a good question. I would say you – no, it's got to be Tom. No, it's you. It's definitely uh, not me. No, it's me. Okay, I'm stumped.
1: All right, if it were me, what what movie do you think I would have chosen the most number of times? Midnight Run. Midnight Run has been chosen by me eleven times, according to Chris. What? That's nothing. I would have thought it was thirty. It's it's eleven times. It it uh it ties eleven times for me choosing Rushmore for a three by three. Oh yeah. Which uh, when Tom and I talked about this, Tom decided that that means twenty two, because they might as well be the same movie. Yeah, but it's not. So, 11 times for the most times I've chosen a movie that you guessed. Now, what would you guess Tom would have chosen most for a movie? Vinion. Stop. Uh, What's the movie he can't help but bring up whenever he can bring it up? Uh, Star Wars? You're going to need a bigger number. Oh, Jaws. Damn it. Jaws. Tom has chosen Jaws 12 times. Oh, no. Yes. What a loser! What movie do you think you have brought up the most times?
2: Probably Zapped.
1: And guess how many times? It's eight. Sixteen.
2: What? I'm the worst? <laughs> really? I don't think that's the worst. That's the best, Kelly. Wand Wait, I'm. Sixteen's the winning number. Like I've mentioned you Zapped
1: more times than either of you. Your second movie, Alien, you've mentioned thirteen times. So you beat us both twice. You're awesome. Wait. But, well, I've only seen like three movies. I think it's the Well, point. that's a good point.
2: It's not winning, anything.
1: And the other movie that you've chosen 54 times was McGroober. Mac- McGroomer 54 times? I'm just kidding. I was just guessing. But anyway, I, I just love that Chris picked that out. So so yes. I've, I've, I've done um, I've done uh, Midnight Run and uh, Rushmore, Rushmore 11. Rushmore equally. So uh, the 12th wins. Yeah, Tom has done Jaws 12th. And you've done zapped. <laughs> zapped. So the winning
2: movie is Zapped. Oh, That's a better English. movie by that math process. And Tom's a mathematician; he'll back me up on this.
1: And I've only seen one scene in Zapped. Which part? Well, the Polaroids. The scene. boobs. Yeah, the boobs. Oh, uh, they weren't really hers. They tried.
2: They tried to get her to do it. Well, we all tried. She's to. having none of it. She was kind of like their character. She's had it. Had enough with telekinesis and boobs. Well, I haven't, and Heather, I know I haven't either.
1: Oh, All right, so shit. for the uh, anyway, uh, any anyway, thanks to Chris, Chris, you did, uh, you've done that, you're so great. I'm so happy with uh, with the work you've done, and she, really just want to call you out. She's not getting raped, though, even though he's telekinetically opening her shirt. It's cons- um, I'm gonna have to say, I'm gonna have to side with Jennifer Lawrence on this and say that that that's a sex crime. So. Uh, Anyway, uh, out of that weird thing that I just said, I will now say that the movie I want you to see next week ah, that is inspired by um, Fury. uh, It's kind of a weird thing because I I kind of was thinking about it. I was was thinking about a couple other war movies. um, But instead, there's a moment in this movie where they attack a bank and there's a lot of tanks going on in this movie. And this is a movie I have not seen in a long time, and this movie was really, and Fury was very heavy for me and very emotional for me, so I'm going to go in a different direction. So for next week's uh, mini-movie Palooza Club, or mini-movie club, or alternate movie club, uh, I would ask that you see, and other people see, and I will watch it this week, a movie called Kelly's Heroes. Oh, I love that movie.
2: Yeah. Uh, You guys Uh, keep picking movies that I've seen. I'm always relieved.
1: uh, Well, I... I hope you see it again, Kelly. But if you yeah. can't, that's all right. Um, it's your namesake movie. But yeah. uh, but as I watch this and as I thought this week about what movie would I go with, um, I want to go in sort of a different direction thematically or tonally, I should say, and and ask people to see Kelly's Heroes. Oh, so there you go. See Kelly's Heroes. We'll talk about that in the mini movie club next week. And for next week's movie podcast, Kelly. Wand. What are we seeing
2: next week? That was the theme, not the title. All right. So next week's movie will be – I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this movie since my, my birth. Uh, John Wick. Can't <laughs> read this, John Wick. All right, John Wick. Although I was eyeballing Ouija.
1: But, yeah, what? You You're can't – buy- Eyeball and too great. I can't wait to talk about taglines next week. Uh, but uh, so next week we're going to see John Wick. Please join us for that, uh, if you can. See Kelly's Heroes and join us for the uh, mini movie club. Uh, until then, I am Christian Moroski Until uh, Tom Chick gets back, I will be uh, uh, moderating this thing, and I am joined by Kelly Wand Don't set him off. Don't John Wick. <laughs>
2: The The victim
1: Kelly, do you know what this What the name of this group is? Uh, Sparks What'd you say? Sparks <laughs> Uh, It's called 30 Seconds to Mars. (laughs) Oh. Do you know who's singing right now? Um, Zaldrin? Close, it's Jared Leto.
0: (laughs) Well,
2: now it seems obvious. He's really saying something. By the way, Dingus, I can type 60 words a minute, too, but only for a single minute. This is the best job I've ever had.